It is so good to be back. Uh, we had a great trip to the DR. It's good to be back. You know, as we were singing that song, Ben came up and uh, really encouraged us. But one of the things the Lord, where it says, uh, I cannot contain this love. You know, it was funny. While we were in the DR, um, I would get pictures of Annalise. And I'm feeding just a little, if you'll pull me down just a little. I would get pictures of Annalise. We'd be sitting in the room at, at Raphael's house, and either Lucy or Abigail said, would say, you just got a picture of Annalise, didn't you? And I'm like, yeah, how do you know? They said, your face, it just, the whole countenance changes when you see her. That wasn't premeditated. Yeah. Does anybody hear me? My love for her, I couldn't be with her. I was uh, hours away, 1,400 miles or something like that away. But when I saw her, I couldn't contain the love that was in my heart. It wasn't because I was touching her or, or sitting right by her side. It was just seeing her, and I couldn't contain it. Is anybody awake? Yes. Help me, Jesus. And that's, we sing that song, I can't contain this love. That means that there ought to be an expression of that. Now, your expression may not look like my expression, but there should be an expression. We shouldn't just say, I cannot contain this love. Praise will be my song. Because I just, I can't contain it. Do you know I can't contain it? No, I don't know. I do not know that you can't contain it because... Nothing about that tells me you can't contain it. It doesn't mean that yours has to look like mine, but when you taste and see that the Lord is good, you can't contain it. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. When you taste and see the Lord is good, you can remember, man, right now it stinks, but He's good. He's just so good, and I can't contain it. And that's my prayer for us is that the closer we get to him, the more we can't contain his love that he's placed on the inside of us. We don't have to pray for more of it. He said the love of God, Romans 5 says, the love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It's in there. I've watched people. There are certain times in our lives we can't contain it. When I see pictures of little Annalise, I can't contain it. I just smile. And he said, that's what I, I want you to be so captured by me that when you just think about me, when you hear me, when you have an opportunity to sing to me, that you just can't contain it. It's not worked up. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I, I understand that in seasons, there are times that we have to redirect our attention. We have to be intentional in our focus. I get that. I, I'm not uh, uh, sliding that at all. I'm just saying, when we sing a song, it's that this love, I can't contain it. Man, what's it going to look like? And we see glimpses of it. I mean, even today, I saw glimpses of that. When people really go, I can't contain it. I think it's going to look different. I think it's going to look different in our own lives. Just riding down the road. In the, this, I'm, this is what I'm praying right now. Just stick your hands out. I'm going to tell you what I'm praying. This is what I'm praying right now. God, I just pray that those spontaneous uh, revelations of your love in our lives would just break out in the grocery store. God, they would break out in the restaurant. Not just in church, God, when we're singing and we are focused on you and that's our heart and our intention, but God, just spontaneous eruptions of your overwhelming love 
coming over our hearts and our minds wherever we are. And God, we just erupt in praise and acknowledgement of who you are. And then people look on us and go, what is it that just caused you to just light up? It's a man. It's a man named Jesus that changed everything. Father, I pray for spontaneous eruptions of uncontainable love for you and for others. God, we magnify you and declare great are you, Lord, and greatly to be praised in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. So I'm, I'm very excited. As Ben said last night, there was a banquet, a celebration for, uh, for Justin and Brooke. They leave Wednesday uh, to go to uh, Hawaii for YWAM, for training. I know you think, wow, they're suffering for Jesus. <laughs> they're going there to be trained to go to an unreached people group. So uh, they're going. They're, they've given their everything to him and say, Jesus, we just want to go where you go. And we want to do what you do. We want to say what you say. And we had an amazing time last night. The presence of the Lord was really, really strong. But I told them even before, a couple weeks ago, I said, I want you guys to share uh, the Sunday before you leave. So here's what I want, you know, we will pray over them. Uh, We did last night, but that's not my heart in this. I want you to be in receiving mode. Because they have spent so much time filling up. And here's what I really believe. I wasn't even (laughs) sure I was going to say it, but I am. We were in the Dominican Republic, and we were talking to some people in the DR, and they said they had three people, and we had these words over them before they left. So I'm just laying a foundation. They, They knew three people that went to YWAM, and when they came back, they quit serving the Lord. But we had words over them that said, when you go to YWAM, you're going to release something in that place. And they didn't go to the Kona. That's not where they went. They went all over the world to different ones. And I'm not being negative. I'm just saying, you can't go somewhere and expect to get something. You've got to know what you have. And when you go there, what they do is sharpen what you've got. Whether that's YWAM, Bible College, or whatever, if you go to try to get something you don't have, you'll be disappointed. I've seen it at Bible college after Bible college. People go to Bible college and they backslide because they think they're going to get Jesus there. And if you don't take Jesus with you there, you'll be distracted. You'll be distracted. I don't care what the atmosphere is. I don't care how many world changes has come out of that place. If you go trying to get something instead of carrying something with you to sharpen, you'll come back dull. They can't give you Jesus. He's already given himself to you. So we had these prophetic words over them in our small group saying, you carry something that you're going to release there. And I believe that. I believe uh, YWAM and Kona, Hawaii will never be the same. And I believe we today can be changed if we'll open our hearts and say, God, I want to hear what they've got to say. Not because we want to give toward them, because we do want to give toward them, but because they carry something that we we can receive. And if we'll believe that, Ben has said it many times, if you give a water in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's award, right? They've laid it all down, laid down lovers. They, they broke the box. Ben shared about the woman with the alabaster box, how she broke it. She didn't open it. She broke it and poured it all out, had no control of where it went or how much went out. Spin it all on him. They've done that. And now they are here to release that over us. 
So they're not here so we can just bless them and pray over them. They're here because they've got something to give. And I think the first place they ought to give it is their house. To their family. So that's why they're, they're going to come and they're going to share today. So if you will, stand with me and we're going to honor them. Not because they gave everything, but because they said yes to what he said to them. So let's honor Brooke and Justin as they come. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm the one who asked the kids to stay in the room because I feel like I have a word for you and for all of y'all. So, um, yeah, we're going to YWAM on Wednesday, and that word that Todd just spoke, God's been speaking that to both of us in our quiet time. I'm like, when you're praying, what are you hearing? He's like, it's just going to be really big. <laughs> like, I'm not really sure. I don't have words. I'm like, same here. And I kept hearing in my heart, like, Yes, you're going to go and learn, and you're going to glean from what the um, experience that these people have that we don't have in, per se, an unreached people group because we've never done that before, but it's going to be fun. Um, but we are also going to go in part and in, in challenge and um, love and set a fire, just like we've done here with yeah. our friends. We're going to set a fire in the hearts of the people there. Um, and so Wednesday, not last Wednesday, but the Wednesday before that, um, uh, Nanette came up to me, and she's like, you know the way she does things. I love the way you do things. She just kind of, she's like, you know, I just want to tell you, I feel like you're going to go to YWAM and they're going to experience something. And I'm like, I haven't told anybody this, but I've heard that same thing because I didn't know what to do with that, you know? And then we get in together in the circle and then somebody else starts to say that and then someone else starts to say that. So we, at that point, we're confirmed that that's what God wants to do. So that's our focus is to not go to receive, but go and just pour out what we've already been given. Um, what you've all been given, you just got to scratch into it and tap into it. But um, so, yeah, so we're going to YWAM. We leave Wednesday. Y'all boys excited? My boys want to be on the stage so bad. Can we, like, let them stand up for a second? <laughs> Don't touch anything, though. Oh, my gosh, Todd will kill me. Don't touch anything. Don't touch anything. So, yeah, so we are going to YWAM Wednesday, and we leave at 6 p.m., 6.30 p.m. Don't touch anything. And... Um, <laughs> We're headed that way, and we're possibly going to end up for our outreach in Mexico or the Philippines. So y'all can be praying about that. But I have a word for everyone today. So I'm sitting back there, and Kendall walks in. She's like, I forgot y'all were supposed to talk today. She's like, what are you going to talk about? I'm like, I have no idea, but it'll be great, you know? So I'm sitting back there, and I'm like, okay, Lord, if you don't get up here and tell me something to say or Justin to say, I'll talk about here because that's the only other thing I know to talk about, <laughs> you know? So um, he showed up like he always does. He's so faithful. And he told me to tell you a little bit of our backstory, not our testimony of all the junk we went through to get saved, but what happened once we were saved and the persecution and suffering that we went through to get to where we are right now. Because y'all get to see the, the fun part of it because we're new here. We've been here about six months or so. And um, it is so fun and it's so good. But I love what Ben said. There's persecution and suffering that comes with laying it all down. So when I got saved a little over five years ago, um, it was a radical encounter. It was a Thursday night. And the Thursday, or the Thursday night before I got saved, I was at a bar with my girlfriends with my job that I worked at. I worked in a hair salon, and they like to drink and hang out and have fun. So I was a part of that, and I enjoyed it. And I would be like, okay, Justin, I'm going out. And he was saved and a recovering alcoholic at the time. I'm like, you can't go, but I can because I don't struggle like that. So I would go out on Thursday nights, Friday nights, whatever weekend they would go and do my thing and come home. And 
One Thursday night, Justin leads me to the Lord, and it was a radical encounter. And that Friday, I come to work, and I'm just a glow with Jesus. And I'm like, oh my gosh, girls, like, we got to stop doing what we've been doing. We got to get some Jesus. We got to love this man. He's so good. I just tasted his goodness. I'm reading the word. It makes so much sense. All this stuff. I'm like, Bible study every Wednesday morning at work, eight o'clock, you know? And they're like, um... (laughs) That doesn't sound fun, and you're weird. So I start just trying to love on them. I mean, all I could talk about was Jesus. I couldn't turn it off. Like, they kept looking for the off switch, and there wasn't one. And they're like, she won't shut up about this guy, Jesus. And now she's starting to talk about it in front of clients, and everyone in the salon is hearing us. What What do we do? Like, they would talk about me. And it got to the point where literally it was so intense that they would literally, I would walk in the room and they wouldn't speak to me. They would not acknowledge my presence. They would talk through me if I would speak and say, do y'all hear somebody talking? It sounds like the wind. That doesn't make, you know, and just mock me, make fun of me. It hurt and it was really hard. And every day I'd have to go in there. Morgan was my closest friend at the time. She watched me suffer with these girls. It was intense. It was brutal. So one day my boss calls me. I've been praying for reconciliation. I'm like, Lord, she says she's a Christian. If she's a Christian, speak to her and tell her I'm not this evil monster she thinks I am, this like religious weirdo. And she calls me one day. I literally prayed that the night before. She calls me one day and she said, hey, I want to meet with you tomorrow for breakfast or for lunch. Will you meet? And I'm like, yes, I can't wait. We're going to reconcile. It's going to be so good. That's what I'm thinking. And so I get there and she's not there to reconcile. She's there with knives to cut into me a a good little bit. And she pretty much told me that I was a liar and I was two-faced and I was a thief and I was all these things. And I was, I kept looking at her and I was crying and I'm like, if you knew what was going on in here, you would know none of that could happen. Like, I can't even say like, I swear right now because I'm so convicted by everything. I'm just so tender to the presence of God that I wanted to walk in this form of holiness and I didn't, you know, so it was really awesome. So, She said, by the way, you know, you're all these things and you need to go get your stuff, pack it up. You have to leave. You can't work here anymore. You talk about Jesus way too much. This is getting out of hand. You got to leave. And I was like, okay. So I got fired from my job for being a Jesus lover in Burlington in the Bible Belt. (laughs) That's weird (laughs) to me. Um, So I quit my job and I go home. And at that point, the Lord showed me the purpose of it all was to go home and raise my my boys, and I had just found out a week before she did this that I was pregnant, and I had just had a miscarriage a month before, so I was like, it was kind of a whirlwind of things. So I got saved, and then I felt led to get baptized. I had been baptized as a child, but I felt like I didn't really walk with the Lord. I wasn't really saved, so I get saved, and I um, asked our pastor at the time if Justin could baptize me, and he allowed Justin to baptize me, and then the next day I had a miscarriage right after that. Talk about an emotional roller coaster. That was, it was hard. But I remember in that time, I could have cursed God or I could have said, I could have just pressed in and been like, you know, who are you in this place? When I'm at this weakest point, who are you? Just lost my job a month after having a miscarriage. He spoke to me and he said, I'm good and I love you. And I didn't cause these things, but will you still worship me? And I said, yes, I had not heard him so clear. I had not been saved long. So I had heard him, but not to this extent. It was like he was in the room with me. And I said, I'm going to worship you. I said, I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if I lose every friend I have. I don't care if I have 100 miscarriages. I will praise you. So I praise him. And man, you could have told me anything. And I'm like, I don't care. Jesus is good. I don't care what you say. He's so good. So 
these things started happening. We get involved at our church that we were at at the time. And um, everywhere I turned, there was some form of persecution coming my way. I didn't get it. People didn't understand me. They're like, this girl's it's weird. Like, they, I just don't get her. Um, even a little bit of my husband, it was like, he'd be like, stop telling people you're here from God like that. And I'm like, but I do. <laughs> Why did you call someone 800 miles away to pray healing over them? Because they can get healed. He was like, slow down. Don't tell people that. And I'm like, I know what I hear and I know who he is. And I'm going to continue to profess it no matter who is for me or who is against me because he is for me. And I'm not here to appease man. And so um, he's totally not like that anymore. We've come a long way. But um, <laughs> praise, the Lord. praise the Lord. So we, um, yeah, so we had these, this all. So life kind of started to smooth out in the place of persecution for a little while. It wasn't as intense. And, and this awesome Bible study of girls I was with, I started serving at the church with the middle schoolers. Justin started serving at the church with the middle schoolers. The um, t- leader of the middle schoolers group at the time, she became my best friend. Like we were tight, real tight. And all of a sudden the Lord said, I want you to stop going to a certain group of people at the time for this Bible study. She's, he's like, I want you to consecrate yourself for a little while and really just focus on me. You know, you get fat at the Bible study, but I really want you to glean from me right now because they were kind of my source at the moment. So I had to cut that relationship off just for a small bit of time. They couldn't understand it. Once again, persecution came because I was given, the Lord said, do you want to stay where you're at or do you want to grow and step into the more of me? You're not rejecting them. It's not that you don't love them. I'm just asking you to consecrate yourself to me right now in this season. So I did that and they did not understand it. They could not understand it. They'd give me phone calls. They're like, you know, we love you and we're praying for you, but I just don't think this is God. God wouldn't do this. And I'm like, I really believe it is. You know, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going for it. So quickly, those relationships started to dwindle to the point where I was like, I'm all alone. I have no friends. My husband thinks I'm a little kooky. Um, I have this one friend at church, this middle school pastor, and she gets me. I'm like, okay, good. She gets me. My husband's getting there. He's starting to get me. Um, okay, things are getting better. So things got a little bit better after that persecution stopped with that group of friends. Things got a little bit better. And then again, I step into the more of Jesus again. From glory to glory, guys, it never stops, I promise. If you're open to it, you will excel from glory to glory. And you can, you can actually control the pace that you do it at. That's not up to God. That's up to you. How much do you want it? How more do you want? If you want it bad enough, you're going to run full speed ahead. I have grown so much in the six months that I've been here because I have been <coughs> running for it. I don't want to ever stay stagnant or stale. So you can, you can determine the rate that you grow with the Lord. So I meet Todd, and Todd introduced us, us to, we knew there was more. Before we met Todd, I, we moved in with Kendall and Wes, and I'm like, there's more, guys. I don't know what it's called, but there's more, and we're going to get it, and we're going to stay up all night until we get it. We'd be up until 2. Jesus, like firefall. I had no idea what I was asking for. Firefall, Holy Spirit fall. Whatever it is, I want it. I'm just screaming for it. Kendall and I just, I would, I would be in the car. I'm like, firefall. Justin's like, stop asking for it while you're driving. You might get <laughs> laid out. You're driving. Our kids are in the car. I'm like, He'll, he's good. It don't matter. He'll pull my car over for me. I don't even care. I just wanted more of God. So Todd had been praying for God to bring hungry people to him so that he, because we were at this event, the Only Believe, and they were talking about healing, salvation, deliverance. They were not talking about this um, fullness of God. And so... But we were asking for it. I mean, I remember seeing Tisha for the first time. I'm like, hmm, I need that girl to touch me, I think. I need to get to know her. 
I don't know what it is about her. Same with Todd. I was like, I need to get to know those people. I was instantly drawn to them because they had something that not everybody has, you know. So I was sitting there and I was praying for more of the Lord. And I remember Tisha came up and she said, this guy named Ben's talking tonight. You want to get in the front row? And I'm like, okay, this girl that I think I like, <laughs> tells me I got to get in the front row. I'm there. So I'm sitting there and nothing happens like I thought. I was ready to like elevate, like levitate off the floor or something and do something crazy, but that didn't happen. And I was like, okay, cool. And by the end of the night, it's like 10 o'clock. We come to Todd and Todd's like, I've been praying for you. It was almost like, welcome into my chamber. <laughs> I've been praying for God to bring me hungry people. And so he lays hands on us and we get filled with the spirit. Woo. Just put that on top of all the other, you know, and it's just going to be an explosion. So I encountered Jesus in this really awesome way, but we're still going to our other church, but I knew I needed to be wherever this guy was. So I was like, are you, are you a cop or, oh, I'm a pastor. Awesome. What church? I'm going to be there. So I'm going to come try that church out. So I tried that church out and that was that first thing that we were here. And then we had to go back to where we were. And I'm like, this is not going to work, you know, because I'm going here and they're staying here. And once again, we work with middle schoolers. We almost had a job at this church to work with these middle schoolers. And now we're saying, Sayonara, by the way, we got to go. We've met more of Jesus over here. We're going to run after that. And I, you want to talk about persecution. My best friend at the time sat me down in the parking lot and let me have it for two and a half hours. How I was under demonic influence. Sorry, Todd. That I was, um, yeah, I was under demonic influence. My prophetic words were not from God. Well, she's filled now. She loves Jesus, and we're better than ever. But um, I said to her, I said, none of this resonates with me. I said, but because I love you with all that I have, I will go home and pray about everything you just told me and see if any of this is in me, even though I knew in my heart demons were not in me, you know? So, um, and I told her, I said, I love you. I said, you know my heart towards you. I love you, but I will go pray about this. I didn't defend myself. I did not fight with her, and I did not try to prove myself. I had so many thoughts and words that could have came out to prove her wrong on why I was right, but I didn't say a word. I went home to my safe place, in my safe place. I shared with him what had happened. I shared with the Lord what had happened. I said, God, how do you want to handle this? He said, you pray against these three spirits and watch what I'll do. For three months, she didn't speak to me. And we did life together every day. I mean, I would go to her before I go to my husband sometimes. It'd make him so mad. But that's how close this woman was in my life. And about three months later, she called me and she said, hey, let's get together. And I said, okay, I was terrified. Kendall said, call me. I'll like pick you up around back if you need to escape. You know, it could be bad. And I was like, okay, okay. So we were together until 1 a.m. from 6 o'clock to 1 a.m. They thought I was like not going to come home. But um, she came to me. She's like, what do you have that I don't have? And I said, I have encountered God in this way. I said, it's for anyone. She's like, if it's for anyone, I want it. I'm like, let's go to your car, you know? <laughs> and so we sit in the car, I lay hands on her. <laughs> That's weird, I know. I go to the car. <laughs> we get to the car, I lay hands on her, and she encounters God. The Spirit, she encounters it all. Hot hands, praying in the Spirit, didn't even have a grid for this stuff. It just hit her in the car that night. And she's like, this is why you're weird and different. I'm like, <laughs> welcome to the club, girlfriend. You know, And I was just super excited for her. And then she went and laid hands on everyone at this church we were at. Some received, some didn't receive. Some said it was weird, and some said it was crazy. But when we were at that church at the time, we were so rejected by this group of people, about 20 people that we ministered alongside of for five years who knew our hearts, our heart, we love Jesus, would not even speak to us, would not even talk to us, would not, 
return my text messages, would not meet me for coffee, nothing. Completely stale, completely dry. And just recently, they got to go to a meeting together. I think it was three weekends ago, maybe. Was it three weekends ago? Something like that. They went to the Ken Helsler's house, Home for the Heart. They didn't know what they were getting into when they said yes to it, but they arranged it. And um, Ken started to talk about the more of God that they were hungry for but rejecting, you know. Um, And about five of them just completely wrecked by the Holy Spirit. And all texted me that same night and said, I just got filled with the Spirit, and I'm so sorry. I have persecuted you for so long. I love you. Thank you for not trying to put me in my place, or thank you for just loving me in the middle of it. I would still text them, call them, tell them I love them. Anytime they came to my mind, I would pray for them, text them, call them. So I share all this to say persecution is not evil. The, Jesus says be ready to be persecuted, but it's what you do with that persecution. It can be life and it can be death. Anything can be life or death, even good things. It can be life or it can be death. You can let it sharpen you, You can let it build your character. You can let it cause perseverance to build up in you, um, humility to come upon you, or you can let it crush you and stop you and paralyze you where you're at. So So I feel like there's somebody in this room who's being persecuted severely, whether it be in your home, workplace, church. I mean, who would have thought? We would never have thought. We sold our house and nobody would talk to us. They're like, they're weird. They sold their house. Oh, my gosh. Um, The church, wherever it may be, if you're being persecuted, the Lord's saying, press in. Don't go talk about it. I didn't go talk about these things with people. Justin and I, Justin would be the one I would talk to, and the Lord. And I didn't stop going to Jesus because I was being persecuted for his name. Don't give up on him because you're getting flack. Press into him, and he will take you out, and he will put you on high places. He will place you on high places. This whole walk has not been pretty. Y'all have seen a lot of pretty, and it's fun. Oh, my gosh, they hear from God this way. It was hard. This has been five, almost six years now. And we still, but the persecution, literally, you don't even see it anymore because we don't even give it the time of day. I just go sit with Jesus now, and I say, mm. I remember Kendall said to me one time, she said, I didn't realize, like, how many people don't really like you that much or, like, think you're kind of different. I'm like, I'm so used to it at this point. But I don't see it as, like, oh, look at me. I'm different, and I'm weird. I don't do it to be weird. I do it because he asked me to, and I've tasted his goodness and his faithfulness to restore a lot of the relationships that were hindered. A lot have been restored. Not all, but a lot. But I'm secure in who I am, so I don't have to go try to fix it with that person. I just pray for them, and God did it. I never defended myself with these people, but God did it because I prayed for them in love and in blessing for them. And God did it. God touched them. And now some of us are closer than we had ever been before. And so I say that to say, press into him, press in in these times, press in and watch him exalt you and lift you high. Watch your character grow, watch your perseverance, your um, everything around you change, change for the good. And you will see his goodness because you leaned into him for comfort and not to anything else. Okay. So I have some scriptures that he kind of unfolded to me while I was over there. Um, The first one. Okay, um, the first one is Second Corinthians six six. It says, "We prove ourselves by our purity, um, our understanding, our." This has been circled and highlighted a lot, so give me a second. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, and our kindness by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love, we faithfully preach the truth. 
the truth. God's power is working within us. We use the weapon of righteousness in the right hand for attack, and we use the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or they praise us. We are honest, but we are called imposters. We are ignored even though we are well known. How many times has that happened? I have been so ignored. But I was raised in this town. Justin's like, you're the Burlington socialite. You know everybody, but they look right through me. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we are not killed. Our hearts ache, but we are always full of joy. We are poor, but we, um, we, are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, but yet we have everything. No matter where you are, you are fulfilled. You have everything you need. Whether you're in the hardest season of your life, you are fulfilled. You have everything. Continue to press in. Continue to see him in it and stop talking about it to other people. (laughs) If you're going to be around friends who are going to lick your wounds for you, that's like not good. Be around somebody who's going to edify you and build you up and pour life into you and fix your eyes back on Jesus. And then y'all are going to grow together. That's what iron sharpened irons mean, not wound licking. Okay. So don't go, go to a safe place. God has given every person in this room a safe place. My safe place is my husband and Kendall right now. Um, Find a safe place. Yes, you can share and confide with them only if they will say, stop feeling sorry for yourself and go see what Jesus has for you. It has to say about the situation. And he's going to say, you pray for that person. You pray for that person. You pray blessing and favor and honor and goodness. Even even run into them at Target and say, I forgive you and I love you. (laughs) I mean, if he tells you to do that, I had to do that a lot. I had to literally physically go to these people and say, I forgive you. And if I've done anything against you, I hope you can forgive me. And I apologize whether I did anything wrong or not. It might not always look like that, but it does for some people. It did for me. I'm a very, the Lord knows I have to make action to make something real. So he would call me to do that. Um, So yeah, I don't know if that helps you guys any at all, but I just heard the word suffering and that's somebody suffering and perseverance right now. Um, Continue to persevere, continue to press into him. He's going to show you faithful and sit you in high places. One thing he did share with me. So I had this vision of an eagle. So we're supposed to soar on wings like eagles, right? So um, I'm really not that smart, but this is so from the Holy Spirit. So if you ever notice, eagles are the only birds that can fly above the storm, that have the ability and the strength to do that. So that's how we're supposed to be. There can be so much going on, but we should be above the storm, not even affected by the storm. Okay. So you are to soar on wings like eagles. Set your mind in higher places. Do not let the trials and tribulations of this life consume you. So I think Justin's got something. Wow. I just want to say real quick, um, because I can say this and I can pray this because I sensed it uh, during worship. I believe Todd sensed it too. I just want to pray against the spirit of sleepiness in Jesus' name. We break that pray against the spirit of idleness in Jesus name. I break that. I felt it trying to attach itself to me and we're not, we're not going to do that. Jesus is so good and so worthy of our praise. I didn't know that uh, Brooke was going to speak on this because it kind of, I was kind of thinking, okay, okay. I feel the idleness and the sleepiness creeping in. The last thing we want to do is speak on uh, a struggle and persecution. Who, who wants, that's not a very uplifting message. But what we're trying to say is there's, there's a whole perspective of this story that we're having that we want people to be able to connect with on every level. 
Okay, because we get excited and we talk about how God is moving in the secret place and all that he's doing. But there are also people that are looking up to us and saying, well, what about me? I'm going through this, 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 this persecution, this place that's causing me to stop pressing. And what about me? I don't connect. Well, we didn't want to keep that hidden. There is a place of that. We don't glorify that, that right. part. But listen to this. The scripture is very, very clear. James 1, count it all joy. I mean, how often do we preach on this? <laughs> count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect. Let it have its full effect, which means we can cut it off short. That you may be perfect, so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. So what happens in these persecutions and these testings? First of all, we've got to know what trial is. This trial that he speaks about, when we turn to Matthew 5 and it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's not saying those who are persecuted for making stupid decisions. I was persecuted in my my younger years for a lot of dumb things that I did. I'm not receiving a great reward for that. But when you begin to pursue Jesus with all that you have, and others, mainly in the church, look at the Gospels. Mainly the religious who persecuted Jesus. I don't remember seeing many unbelievers really persecute Jesus. That persecution in the church actually didn't come on until, until much later, uh, after his time by, by the Romans. And we receive that thing, same thing. We have experienced that same thing. So what do we do when we receive that persecution? We count it a joy. <laughs> I mean, without this beautiful word telling me that it's a joy and it's a blessing because it creates steadfastness and it's building my character, I don't know that it's a joy and I try to get away from it. But what happens is I actually create... Uh, the ability to stay stagnant in where I'm at. So people want to know, people look at, at certain Christians that seem like they are just growing rapidly. Heather Price spoke a word over us months back when we started going to this church. She said, I see you guys under a waterfall and you're in a season of just this, this rapid growth and maturity and revelation and it happened in a very short time. I've grown more in six months than I've grown in six years. Why is that? Why is that? Trials. <laughs> it actually forces you to grow. When you're put in places of discomfort, it causes you to seek the comforter. <laughs> why, did, why did God give the Holy Spirit that name? If nobody's uncomfortable, we won't need the comforter. So I want to be uncomfortable because it causes me to grow. It puts me in a place where I have to rely on Jesus. I have to go to him and close my door in the secret place and press in because there's some things that I can't handle on my own. There's some things in the natural that I can't handle when people come against me, but I have to know who I am in him and I have to know who he is. We we talk about worship this morning. It's beautiful. The words we were singing... I heard a actually I was listening to something uh, from Heidi Baker and she said uh, she said they've got sometimes they have to either put a clock up there or come they'll come tap around her shoulder because she'll sit up there and she'll worship for hours in front of these large congregations and they'll come up after 45 minutes an hour and say hey hey do you think you're going to preach and she's like I, I just did I just did and all she did was worship on the stage I can sit here I can talk I can talk till I'm blue in the face She's got it. She's got the revelation. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing within you. It's what he's doing. I was asking him when we were in worship, um, why do we worship? 
Why, why, why do we begin this? There's a lot of churches, there's a lot of congregations, a lot of places that we worship, we sing our three songs, and we do it because it's kind of what everybody does. But I was pressing in, I was asking the Lord, what is actually happening right now, especially after Todd spoke that word? What is happening within worship? I love, it's the first time I've ever been in, in the presence of a worship leader that understands the, the, the prophetic, what is actually happening in worship. And that's why you can say we just preached. What's my, what's my message? Every sermon that I want to speak for the rest of my life should be titled, How Can I Contain This Love? Because <laughs> that's all I'm going to do. There's no preparation. There's no preparation other than being in his presence, standing up in front of people. If you got the opportunity, I didn't ask for this. This is not my goal. But how can I contain what he's placed inside of me in that place when we're alone one-on-one? All those words that we just sang out, this is worship. We're proclaiming and we're declaring his word, his goodness, and the truth about him. And if you notice, if you really tap in and worship, those words that you're singing begin to rise up a faith within you. Your faith coupled with his truth produces miracles and changes and transformations. Chains begin to fall and break within you. And that's where real change occurs. So I could actually sense and feel some of the uncomfortableness, if that's a word, around me during worship. I could almost hear, I I I could hear what was in the hearts of people. Jesus did that. He perceived what was in the hearts of people. He lives in me. We can do that. So sometimes you'll begin to hear things around you. You'll even begin to sense and feel things around you that aren't even yours. That's right. It's what you do with that that that's makes so it either a gift or a hindrance. That's so, good. That's, that's so I began to feel this uncomfortable thing, and I'm like, wait a minute, I love Jesus. I worship all the time by myself for way longer than this. Why am I feeling uncomfortable? He said, you're not feeling your own uncomfort. That's the uncomfortableness, discomfort. I can't even think of it, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uncomfortableness, new word, of the people around you. And that's when he gave me that word. He said, but it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place because in their discomfort, they're seeking the comforter. And here I am to comfort. That's just one, one part of who he is. That's just one piece of who he is. And he wants to meet you in that need. So that's the whole thing with persecution. That's the whole thing with what we've gone through to get to where we're at, where, where we're at. I've noticed that the people with the most radical encounters with Jesus have had the most persecution, struggle, and trial in their calling. There's, there's something to say to that. There's something to see there. Jesus, some people are like, man, I'm jealous. That person, I mean, they had a radical encounter with Jesus. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know why I'm on Heidi Baker, but she had a radical encounter with Jesus. But if you only knew what that woman and her family has gone through. You see, because a lot of times we just see the end result and the beautiful fruit of what, it, what is happening and what's going on and people being used by God. But we come to you today with this message because you don't see what happens behind closed doors. We don't see what happens behind closed doors with you, but know that Jesus does. He sees everything that you've poured in behind closed doors. And he's preparing you. The trials. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but uh, it's so funny. Uh, when you squeeze a bottle of orange juice, what comes out? When you squeeze a bottle of apple juice, what comes out? When you squeeze a Christian, what comes out? It should be, right? <laughs> 
It should be. So I got this. <laughs> right. That squeezing, those trials, when the devil squeezes you, Jesus should flow out of you like rivers of living water. Yeah. What would happen if every time the devil tried to squeeze you, Jesus came out and got all over? Come on. <laughs> I had this picture. It's so, it's so funny. I had this prophetic vision, very, very, very prophetic and theological uh, vision of a Capri Sun <laughs> during worship. And have you ever noticed, like, I don't know if you guys with children have those, but you poke that little thing in there and it shoots out through the straw and it hits you in the eye and, and uh, there's always too much in there and all that stuff and you don't know what's in there anyway. You can't see it. You're like, here, drink it. I have no idea what's in there. Um, but I had this vision of the devil doing that, like trying to get it in there and finally he pokes through and poof, squirts him right in the eye. And I'm like, what if that happened? What if we understood that whether we're on top of a mountain or we're down in a valley receiving the hardest trial of our life, that we knew that no matter what, if we're squeezed, Jesus is coming out. If you get close to me, Jesus is coming out. If you are close enough to hear my voice, Jesus is coming out. I guarantee you, instead of, instead of licking your wounds and, and, and wondering why this is happen to, happening, that's what the devil wants. That's what he wants to happen when he afflicts these trials on you. But Jesus is sitting back laughing, saying, if he only knew what he was doing, just like he did on the cross. If he only knew that killing Jesus, what it was actually going to accomplish and what it, what it was going to do in the hearts of people, he would have never done it. That's right. So why don't we look that same way, that same direction in our lives and in trials at the devil and have him turn around and saying, if I only knew, if I only knew when I was going to do that, that Jesus was going to come out, that he was going to flourish, that he was going to use this thing to work out for the good of those who love Jesus, I would have never touched him in the first place. And all of a sudden, you've got a church rising up in identity, knowing who they are in Christ, knowing the power that lies within them. I spoke it last night. The word for power in the Bible is the same word we get dynamite from. So I looked it up, and, and, and something popped up, and it's, it came up on the internet, so we know it's true. And it, it was about the sun. It was about the power and the energy that is released out of the sun. And it said in one second, the sun, our sun, the star that heats our planet, releases more energy in one second than we have ever compiled and released in all of mankind, all of history of mankind, civilization. If you guys didn't realize, Jesus spoke that out of his mouth. Okay, and there are stars in our galaxy that make our sun look like a golf ball. Okay, these are little things that I do in my quiet time because it puts everything into perspective. It puts everything into perspective. He's so good. That power lives within you. That dynamite lives within you. Acts 1.8 says, go and wait. Because the promise of the Father is coming and this dynamite, this power, this energy that is greater than the sun and all the universe wants to clothe you and then you go out. So when you have that perspective and that mindset, it changes everything. When you know who you are in Christ without a doubt, when you spend time with the man Jesus and he gets so in you that you can't help but release him into the world, that's when the devils begin to shake in your presence. Hmm. God is so good. Uh, it was so beautiful. I'll just, uh, just share a little bit of just my heart uh, of thankfulness um, towards you all and towards our family. 
and I'll end with that. Um, that's, that's all I want to do. That's the only reason I would ever get up in front of people and share. I have, <laughs> I have no agenda. I have no uh, qualifications to actually do this. I laugh at <laughs> how I grew up and, and then that I actually have the ability to stand up in, people, in front of people and pour into them um, like I'm qualified. But I have the mind of Christ and I have the heart of Christ. If we, <laughs> it, it's, amazing. It, it's amazing how qualified you actually are when you look into it. Now, I, heard, I heard of a man that actually went into uh, an interview, and they asked him for his qualifications, and he began to, to give the experience of Jesus because he lives within him. I'm, I'm not. What, is it, what does it say in, in James uh, after that? It says, those of you who lack wisdom, ask for wisdom. What if, what if <laughs> it's so beautiful what, what, what Ben spoke about because the Lord was speaking to me about that last night. Because I used to be an intellectual and a debater, and the Lord said, keep it simple. And he's been bringing me into this place of simple devotion and love, and that's the secret to it. That's it. That's it. The, the revelation I had while we were in worship was a picture of Jesus on the cross in what Paul preached, the blood, the blood of Jesus. And so the simplicity of it all is this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Jesus, make me poor in spirit. Because I want to see the kingdom. <laughs> That's the simplicity. You read it, you believe it, and it happens in your life. And if you don't see it happen right away, you don't give up in two days. You continue to press in to believe it because either God is telling the truth or he's a liar. So if his promises have not yet come to pass in my life, there's something I'm missing. It's not something he's missing. And, 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 and that's why Jesus, he points at little children and he tells the disciples to step aside and let the children come to me because they've got something that you guys, you adults are missing. They've got something that the intellectuals are missing. And that's that pure heart, that pure heart and devotion that says, if my daddy says it's true, I believe it. And if he says it will come to pass, I believe it. I don't care what's going on around me, okay? And I spoke last night in Ephesians. It talks about having a mature mind. So that doesn't mean we're childish in our ways and our thoughts, but that means we mature in Christ as we gain the ability to discern, but we never lose that childlike passion in pursuit of Jesus. I don't want to do anything else but talk about him. He's so good. Last night, we just got to stand in front of a, a beautiful crowd of people. Before we, left, before we left the church we were at previously, we had a lot of questions. We were like, Lord, why in this, in this short amount of time before we leave are we, are we doing this? Are we making this shift? And he gave us both the same word. He said, he said I'm, not, I'm not severing something. I'm expanding something. Okay, So he said, I'm expanding your family because there's something that you need within the body of Christ that you don't have right now. And I've created you to rely on me, but I've also created you to partner with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, there's a reason that there's different parts of the body right. compiled in, all right? We've all got a part to play in this. Right. And so, so we are reliant on you, uh, within you guys because you guys all have something uh, uh, to offer and we have something to give. So as we recognize that, it brings to light the verse that says we are to sharpen each other. Right. Okay, there's a need. He created us to be needy people. I don't, I don't need you for my salvation or to live or to be happy, but he's created us to be in fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. 
right? So he created a whole, a whole expanse of relationships that I didn't even knew existed or were going to exist. And he did that, and it's beautiful. And I got to stand in front of a crowd of people. I get to stand up today in front of a beautiful family of, of people and say, this is my family. What I, what I gave up when I was an unbeliever, I thought, oh, man, I'm giving up all this fun stuff and these relationships and friends is nothing. That hundredfold he was talking about is happening. This is it. Look around you. It's amazing. Where else other than in Christ can you be in the presence of people that love you as much to lay down their life for you? I can say truly I have friends that I know would lay down their life for me and I would do the same for them. I never had that before. It's amazing. So I want to thank you guys. I want to thank you for, uh, uh, for partnering and sowing with us in relationship, in encouragement, in prayer, in presence, in everything. Yeah. We, we could not be here alone. We, we can truly say that. I can, we can't do this alone. We're not lone rangers. I'm not, I'm, we're not missionaries. We are full-time Christians. And we're taking what we have here, what we've done here around the world because there's a lot of people that need to hear this good news. So thank you guys. I love you all uh, from the bottom of my heart. I can't wait to get back to share what God is doing all over the world and to stay connected with you guys and, uh, and hopefully light a few fires and, and, and get a few more of, of you crazy surrendered folks to shoot out to the nations and do the same thing, right? Jesus, thank you. I just want to pray for you guys.